0: Your hand up. Okay, Linda? For what? Amen. For his forgiveness right next to you. Yes. <laughs> for his very goodness. Forgiveness and his goodness. One more. For salvation. Full and free. Amen to that. Okay, let's move to the middle section. Jeremy? Okay. Praise the Lord for our families. That's one. Mike, for the way He provides for us, God's provision. That's two and three. Sam, His mercy, His mercy endureth forever. Any more in this section? We can have more. We can have more than three. His amazing grace. His amazing grace. We just sang about it. Paul. Okay, Christian friends. All right. Anybody else? Can't wait to share how God has given you a blessing or a praise this week. For church family. All right. Good. Now over here I said two, but we Caleb showed in. So Caleb, if you get one ready, we'll take it. Well let's start up here. Rich? Okay, praise God for his assurance. Not insurance. Blessed assurance for our salvation. Carol? They took all yours? So you're gonna say ditto ditto, huh? Ditto ditto. All right. Caleb, you got a blessing? Okay, by the way, Caleb, your friend Duran Duran, Duran was here in church this morning looking for you. He just came back to college and he says, where is Caleb? I said, he's goofing off over at 3M, but uh, i was supposed to say hi to you from, Caleb, from uh, Duran, so Duran made it. Okay, anybody else got a blessing? If not, take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, starting with verses 22 and 23, I want to talk to you about... Faith tonight. <clears throat> While you're turning to Romans chapter fourteen, answer these questions for me. How many times does the word faith show up in your Bible? How many times does the word faith show up in your Bible? Are there more best, are there more verses on faith in the Old Testament or in the New Testament? Second question. And third question, you don't have to answer, but will you be found in the hall of faith one day? when you get to glory, okay? Romans chapter 14, verses 22 and 23 starts out with a question. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we know the Bible is very big on faith and faithfulness. I know it's a simple subject. I know that most of you have most of the verses memorized on faith but we're going to go over them again because in my coaching years, in my teaching years and in my pastoring years, I found out the best way for people to learn is through repetition. So I'm going to give you some stuff that I hope you can put together in a nice little neat package tonight. Before I pray, are there any emergency prayer requests? Keep praying for our prime timers. Many of them are dealing with Health issues with themselves or their mates, so we want to continue to pray for them. David, did you have a prayer request? Okay, Jeremy. Okay. Pastor Jorgensen's grandmother in, and uh, uh, over there in Elkton. Caleb. Pray for a. Is he still alive? Okay, we'll pray for Caleb's contact, the result on the receiving end of a shooting. So, I want to pray for that. Anything else you can think of that's of an emergency nature? All right. Rich Motter, would you open us up in prayer tonight, please? Amen. Thank you. All right. Anybody want to guess how many times we find the word faith or faithfulness mentioned in your Bible? I won't take a straw vote here, but I'll just let you know. There's approximately 400, 400 plus. So is it a major subject? Certainly is, very much so. What's interesting, the second question, are there more in the Old Testament or more in the New Testament? What's interesting to me that about 90% of the verses on faith are in the New Testament. So as a New Testament Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church, we have the message of faith that is echoed more and more and more and more, even more so than that in the Old Testament. I think that's amazing. And I guess we'll have to wait till we get to heaven to see if we made it in the hall of faith. But what a, what a day that's going to be when the Lord says to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a thing. You know, and when it comes to faith, we know that the lost people needed to get saved. We know that the saved people needed to grow. And we know especially that babes and carnal are people who needed to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. So no matter where you are in that spectrum, we need faith. Tonight I want to talk to you about being not faithless. Roman numeral number one, Faith that gets us going. Faith, Roman numeral two, faith to keep us growing. And then Roman numeral three, faith that gives us some grit. Remember John Wayne? He was a man of true grit. Okay? So those are going to be the points as we go through them here. Uh, let's get started. Um, you'll see on your notes, I've mentioned four verses there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, four times in the Gospels, we hear, we read this verse. Uh, They're all similar, but I want you to turn there because it's important that you see these. Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 17. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, what he's saying is that if we are faithless, then we fall into that category of being cousins to perversion. So we don't want to be faithless. We read the same thing in Mark, chapter 9, verse 19. So truck over there to Mark, chapter 9, and verse number 19. He answered him and said, this is Jesus speaking, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Luke 9, verses 19, it doesn't sound right. 9, 19. Mark. 9 and 19. I look these up and I underline them with my green pen. There it is. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation. That's what I was looking for. O faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? Then if you go over to Luke chapter 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 9, we see again this idea of being faithless. Luke chapter 9, this time verse number 41. Luke 9. And verse number 41. Jesus answering said unto them, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And then we see in John chapter 20 and verse number 27. John chapter 20 and verse number 27. John chapter 20 and verse number 27. 27. I'm kind of jealous of people that have computers and stuff because they can just get these really really quick I'm old school I like to turn the pages and I'm trying to break in a new bible here so the pages kind of stick together but I like to hear the sound of rustling pages John chapter 20 verse 27 um, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing okay so we need to be full of faith so we don't act in a, we don't live in a perverted fashion. We are people of the faith, and we need to understand that. I guess we could say the title, another title for tonight's message would be Three essential, Three Essential Faith Types. Now this, is, this I don't think is on your notes, but if, if it's not there, write down James 2 and verse 17 and 18. James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Come on, James, where are you hiding? He's back here. Here we go. James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yet a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Okay? And we learned this morning in church, if you were paying attention to the morning message in Luke 17, 5, that's not on your paper either, but the disciples said to Jesus, increase our faith. Now, if the disciples were asking Jesus to help them build their faith, how much more important it is for you and I to do the same. okay? And so we need to display, we need to show, we need to put on faithfulness, so that others can see it. Now, I kind of got a feeling that in our community where we live, I'm pretty certain that my neighbors to my right uh, know that I went someplace tonight, and I think they got it figured out that I go to church because your neighbors notice everything you do. Now, Nancy didn't notice because she's already here, so she's, she's doing the right thing. She's following me to church. Sometimes I follow her to church, but tonight she followed me to church, okay? And that's a good thing. I think my neighbors on the left understand that whenever there's church here, the blue car leaves, and I think our neighbors watch us, and what we are, what we are doing is we are displaying our faithfulness, and they see that. We got a visit from a relative. This is back when we were newly saved, and I had made a statement that I wasn't going to let anything keep me from church. Well, we had some relatives visit on a church night. Doesn't that usually happen? A relative visits on a church night, and it happens to be a Wednesday night. And they show up around supper time, which means they were probably hungry. But we told them that at 630, we're going to church. We lived about 10, 15 miles from town. And these people that drove to see us drove from about 50 miles away. And they were relatives. And so we invited them in and we tried to visit as quickly as we can. And then we said, you know, we'd love to have you come to church with us. But if you don't want to come to church with us, enjoy the house. The refrigerator's right there. If you want to take a nap, go ahead and take a nap. But Lynn and I are going to church. And we're taking our girls. So you can't play with them. And so we just left. We drove out the driveway and left these people with our house. And what I, what I was doing, not intentionally and not to brag, but I, I had a conviction about being faithful. And I wanted them to see that. And so it's very important that people see your faithfulness, whether it be in your giving, in your praying, in your Bible reading, or in your church attendance. Let people see that. You know, a lot of young people, they come to church and uh, they probably sit there twiddling their thumbs and scribbling on a piece of paper and they, they probably saying, I wonder if anybody ever notices me. Now, how many of you adults would say that you notice the little kids that are here? Raise your hand. You notice that they're here. There you go, kids. See, you're setting an example. I'm trying to get our church people to behave like kids, okay? They're here and they're glad that we're here because we brought them. And, and we're glad that they're here because it's a sign of a successful church when you have a lot of young people. And if all the young people are missing, pretty soon the church is going to close down because they're our future. And it's very important that we display our faith. Well, I want to talk about three kinds of faith. First of all is the faith to get us going. The faith to get us going. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. This is a verse you probably already know. Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you don't know it, learn it, okay? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, as a church, we know that we're saved. It says in verse 8, by grace. That's how we're saved. By grace, we are saved through faith, by grace alone, through faith alone. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So that means it's by Christ alone. We're saved by faith alone, by grace alone, through faith, by Christ alone. That's, that's our salvation. And it's there. And that's what gets us going. The Lord, in his word, says that he gives to every man, and I believe that includes women, a certain measure of faith. And I believe the Lord even gives you the faith to get going to get saved, to start your salvation experience. He gives you the faith to do that. The Lord offers us grace so that we might get saved. And that offering is very similar uh, to what I call a a starting faith. Uh, Now, the crostic faith stands for forsaking all, I trust him or forsaking all I take him. You can write those in your notes there. Uh, I've been told that the Hindu people, somebody mentioned the Hindu faith this morning in Sunday school class, and uh, the Hindu people are the people that follow many gods. There's over, over a thousand gods over there. They have these temples, and they've got all these gods. And they're very polite people. And they're especially polite, and they're especially grateful to Americans that come over there and try to witness to them. So if you're over in India, trying to witness to somebody from a Hindu culture, and you say, would you like to trust Christ as your savior? And they'll usually say, yes, we would. And come over to our house and eat, and they'll visit with us, they'll listen to you share the gospel story, and they'll make a verbal profession of faith. The problem is, when they get back home or when we're gone, they will take this little track and they will put it on their God shelf along with all the other gods. And that to them is their way of accepting us and being polite and kind to us. The problem is when we trust Christ, we need to forsake all and trust him. We need to empty the God shelf. And by the way, it's similar in America because a lot of Americans make a profession of faith, but they still worship popularity they still worship humanism. They still worship money. They still worship intellect. And even the best of us, when we trust Christ, we have to clean the God shelf. We, it's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus alone. And we get that. Uh, we take him in John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And then we call on him in Romans 10:17 whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then we believe in him, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. That's how we take him. And then we trust him. Forsaking all, not only do I take him, but I trust him. Uh, if you want to write down Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. This is an Old Testament verse, but it's a very, very good Verse. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. One of the first Bible verses I ever memorized. The reason I memorized it, it was posted in the crying room at the hospital in Duluth. The Duluth Hospital, St. Mary's, was quite large. And up on the operating room floor, which I think was the third floor, they had a crying room for the family members in case things went south. And inside this crying room, there were several chairs, probably a Gideon Bible, But on the wall was this Bible verse, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 23. And I'm going to include verse 24. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So we take Christ and then we trust Christ. Verse 4, trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so we need to trust him. And then thirdly, not only do we take him and trust him, But we must be willing to be taught by Him. We must be willing to be taught by Him. Back to the New Testament. Go to John chapter 16 and verse number 13. John chapter 16 and verse number 13. John chapter 16 verse 13. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. He says, how be it when He, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And you and I need to take Christ and salvation. We need to trust him because he's our only hope. He's our only future. And then we need to be willing to be taught by him. So to get going, we have a starting faith. Now, under illustration there, you you might want to write a can of starting fluid a can of starting fluid. For those of you that are old school, a little older, you remember 20, 30 years ago when your car stopped running? You pulled over to the side of the road and you lifted the hood up and your wife didn't want to look at it so you had to look at it. But if the car stopped running, you'd go underneath the hood and you'd flip that little butterfly thing and you'd take the air cleaner cover off and you knew that the carburetor had gummed up somehow. And so you took a little starting fluid, took a little can about the size of a WD-40 can and you sprayed that starting fluid in that uh, carburetor. And do you know that your car would actually start and run for a few seconds with that starting fluid? I mean, if your gas was completely gone, you could still run the car for a few seconds on starting fluid. And starting fluid isn't enough for us in our Christian walk. Ephesians 2.8 9 is not going to cut it. We need more than that. So we go from a can of starting fluid... The second one here, we we'll go to a five-gallon gas can. But let's look at Roman numeral two. First of all, we need faith to get us going. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Now I want you to turn to Romans 10.17. We need faith to keep growing. Faith to keep growing. Romans chapter 10. John Acts Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. If you're still awake, say amen. Or if you're having a good time, say amen. If you're not, Jeremy's going to deal with you after church, okay? All right, Romans 10, 17, what does it say? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know that when a person goes to the hospital and they're in a dying state, the last sense, the last sense I've been told to leave, and I really believe this by personal experience, the last sense to stop working is the hearing sense. And God, in His great wisdom, when He created man, He says, Look, I'm going to try to get their ears to work until the last minute in case they want to trust me. But uh, hearing the Word of God is very important. I know you think I'm crazy when I say this, but I would rather lose my sight than my hearing because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I'm over 39 years old, I've seen enough. And to what I'm seeing today, I don't like, but I don't want to miss out on hearing the word of God, and I think that's critically, critically important. Romans ten seventeen. Now the Lord expects us to grow in grace. We not only have read uh, Romans ten seventeen, but you might want to write down Second Peter three eighteen. Second Peter, chapter three, and verse number eighteen. If you back up to verse 17, he says, "Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware lest ye also be in led away with the error of the wicked. There's a lot of wickedness out there, and there's a lot of error out there. We don't want to be led away from that. We don't want to fall from our own steadfastness. Look at verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So we need to be growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and in these last days it would help us enormously to forsake to forsake or run the other direction from all the knowledge that's out there. I mean there's we're dealing with the information highway and the computer there's just so much that we can learn and and I'll admit some of it's exciting and some of it's Very interesting, and some of it is their eye poppers, you know. Oh, did you see that? But you know what? A lot of it is just useless information. It really is not going to dramatically change your life. But the Word of God will change your life. And that's why the Word of God needs to be more important. The knowledge from God's Word needs to be more important than the, than the knowledge of this world. And so many of us are taken in by the things of the world, and then we're bored with the things of God's Word. And shame on us if that's our case. When we grow in our knowledge and when we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we grow in three areas. We grow physically so that we don't remain a dwarf. If one of our little kids in church tonight stopped growing right where they're at, we kept feeding them and kept feeding them and kept feeding them, but they stopped growing. Stunted growth. What would we do? We'd take them to the doctor and say, Doctor, something wrong. There's something wrong with my child physically. They're not growing. Well, in our spiritual life, it's the same way. We need to, we need to grow. If we're not growing, something is wrong. So we, we grow physically, we grow spiritually. We are not to remain easy prey for the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need to desire to grow spiritually. I hope you know more about Jesus this year than you knew about him last year. And I hope next year, You'll know, more, you'll know more about them than you do this year. Now, the problem with getting old is we get dementia and we get forgetful, so sometimes we forget some things, but there's hope for us. We had a, we had a pastor friend who developed dementia and was put in a nursing home, and uh, he was losing his mind because of old age, and we would visit him. His name was uh, Bill, Pastor Bill, and we would talk to him, and he'd say, Who are you? What what?" what? Why are you here? Where do you live? Nothing made sense. And then finally, after a few minutes, we'd say, Bill, it's been fun visiting you. Would you pray for Lynn and I before we leave? And you know what was amazing? The Lord just cleared all that fog out of his brain. And when he prayed, you would not believe that there was something wrong with him. He prayed flawlessly. It's like the Lord, he spent so much of his life praying, but that was the one thing that the devil and the disease could not take away. He prayed earnestly and fervently, and it was amazing to watch and amazing to observe. The things of the world were very confusing to him, but the things of God's word were still there, and he could still echo truth as he prayed. We need to grow physically, spiritually, and we need to grow morally. We should not remain entangled by the sins of our past. Now, what happens when we listen to the word of God and we grow, we run out of gas. Let's go from the can of starting fluid to a five-gallon container of gas. My, I used to carry five gallons, but that's too heavy for an old-timer. So I went to a four-gallon. That was too heavy for an old-timer. So I went to a three-gallon. That was too heavy. I have a 2.5 now, 2.5-gallon gas can. If my car runs out, If the starting fluid is gone, I don't have any more starting fluid left and I can't go anywhere, I can take that two and a half gallons of gas and I can put it in the car and I can actually run for a while. And uh, because I have a Subaru, 90 miles to a gallon, I can get about 180 miles. That's, That's not true, okay? But with two and a half gallons, I could probably get close to 50 miles without any difficulty. The problem is after 50 miles, I would run out again. The starting fluid runs out after five seconds. The five-gallon can of gas will probably get me 50 miles, and then I'm by the side of the road holding up my empty gas can. (laughs) I need more. And you and I need more. We need starting faith to get saved, Ephesians 2.89, and we need Romans 10.17 so that we can keep growing. Not groaning, growing. And then finally, we need... Faith that will develop our grit. And that's not a real spiritual word, but I thought of John Wayne immediately. And I said, I got to use the word grit because it starts with the letter G. Faith that gives us grit. If you go to 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Okay, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, what's the last word, class? Faith. How do we overcome the things of the world? Faith. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Look at verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. This is the victory, the songwriter says, that overcomes the world. Jesus is the victory. To appreciate the valley of grace, somebody has said, we need overcoming faith to advance us over the hills of trouble. Overcoming faith helps us connect with Job, Joshua, Jesus, And the other people mentioned in the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews 11. If those men and women did not have overcoming faith, they would never be in the Hall of Faith. They had overcoming faith. They had the faith that took them over the top when they were in real difficulty. They became partakers of the sufferings of Christ. And as a result, many Old Testament saints became martyrs for the sake of the gospel. And we know that's true, especially in the New Testament. Nine or, nine or ten out of the eleven of the disciples were all crucified for their faith. They were all killed for their faith. I don't see any disciples going to Texas and retiring in a retirement home and playing golf. Didn't happen. That's because if you're preaching the whole, the word of God the way it's supposed to be preached, in season and out of season, preaching a little bit about hell, preaching against sin, preaching against the world, you're going to get some flack. You're going to get some static and you're going to get people that don't really approve of you and they don't really like you. We've got to overcome that. Somebody has said bad or weak doctrine is no match for big dilemmas or big problems. Weak doctrine is no match for big problems. Now, if you haven't had a big problem in your life, put your seatbelts on because you're going to get one. Sooner or later, a big challenge, a big scare, a big loss is going to show up in your life. I think I've mentioned before that psychologists say that about every seven years, we bury somebody we love. So about every seven years, you're going to be shocked by the death of somebody that you know. Uh, I was invited to our class reunion up in Thief River Falls this summer. We didn't go. But every time I go back for a class reunion, they have a list of all the students from that class period that died. And the last time I went home, there were 16 of my classmates that are no longer with me. They're in eternity. And had I gone home last week, or a week or so ago, to the same reunion, I would imagine that probably doubled. Because we're not getting any younger, okay? And uh, you and I need to realize that when a big challenge comes, a little doctrine won't cut it. You'll run. You'll, you'll get mad at Jesus and you'll go out the door because you haven't grown and learned and learned to trust God's word and learn those verses that help us with those fiery trials. Beloved, think it not strange the fiery trial, which is to try you. And when that firing trial hits, you and I need overcoming faith. Otherwise, we'll slip. We'll fall. We'll give up on God. We'll leave the church. We'll never set foot in church again. It's amazing. I won't tell you all the war stories I know, but it's amazing when, when tragedy strikes, people either get bitter or they get better. Now, I want you to get better. I want you to get stronger I want you to get confident in Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good, even in death. I want you to be a good sufferer when that that trial comes. The last thing Pastor Yoder and I want is for you to get bitter. I'm mad at God because my wife left me. I'm mad at God because my child died of cancer. That's the last thing we want is for you to get bitter. We want you to get better. And to do that we need to have a good supply of faith. Starting faith we compared to starting fluid. Running faith or growing faith we compared to 5 gallons of gas. Well what will I use for an illustration for overcoming faith, the kind of faith that gives us grit? Well let me ask you a question. Suppose your grandpa or my father or my grandpa was the primary stockholder of Senex Oil. Would I have any problem getting gas? Probably not. He owns the place, okay? How about uh, Mobil or Casey's or Gulf or Exxon? Well, let me ask you another question Who is the main CEO of all those gas stations? Ultimately, who's in charge? The Lord is. I mean, the stockholders from New York City, they think they own Exxon and they own Cenex and they own Casey's. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. God is the one that turns on and off the spigot. God is the one who allows the price to go up or down. Now, you and I know the God of the Bible. We love the God of the Bible. We respect him. We appreciate him. Isn't it amazing? We don't have to go to bed worrying about gas prices or running out of gas. He owns it all. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the silver and the gold in the hills. He owns everything. So we have nothing to worry about. We'll never run out of gas. And you know, if your full faith and your full trust is in him, you'll have the grit to get over that overcoming challenge that sooner or later is going to come knocking on your door. I want you to be strong. I want you to have grit, true grit, I want you to have a love and a relationship with Christ that won't fall by the wayside when hard times come. Let's go to Jude 20. Now, if you're in 1 John with me, just go over a couple pages towards Revelation. You'll find Jude right before Revelation. Now, let me close with these, this challenge for you. Now, Jude is a an epistle reminding people how uh, we need to be careful not to let the world take everything from us. You get to the last few verses here, it talks about keeping ourselves in God's love. And I've always looked at God's love and God's salvation as kind of a circle that I can step out of if I want to. And this passage tells us that that we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We need to keep ourselves in that circle. Let's start in verse 17 of Jude. Verse 17, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Boy, do we have mockers in the last time. I spent three hours this afternoon listening to prophecy lectures and, and man alive, our country is just in a mess. And we're, we're dealing with tyrants and we're dealing, we're dealing with treason in the White House. They are out to get us. I don't say that to scare you, I'm saying that to get ready. Get ready. We're living in the last days, the Lord. things are coming together. They're not falling apart, they're coming together. There's mockers in the last times who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves. They are sensual and they having not the spirit. They're not saved people. And then he says in verse twenty, but you, he's talking to believers now. he's talking to Christians. As we learned in Sunday school class, he's talking to disciples. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. He says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy, what's the next word? Faith. You need to be building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And if that happens, verse 21, you'll be able to keep yourselves in the love of God. And you'll be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And while you're doing that, we need to display some compassion, verse 22, and of some having compassion, making a difference. And of others, it's referring to those that need Christ, we need to save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God and our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. I hope you have the faith, the starting faith of salvation. You've already experienced that. I hope you're growing. I think that's why you come to church, because you just, I don't think you come because of my dynamic song leading or my dynamic preaching, but you come because you know that you might be able to grow a little bit closer. You might be able to be a little bit sharper in your Bible skills. But I hope you develop overcoming faith, the kind of faith that will help you uh, when you get that surprise phone call that somebody you love has left this earth and slipped into eternity. Uh, I hope that you have an overcoming faith and you won't fall or fail. The Lord gives us the grace to get saved. He gives us the grace to grow and he will give you the grace to make it through the trials and the troubles that are sure to come. songwriter says he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. And boy, that is so true. Stick by them, okay? Faith to get us going, faith to keep us growing, and faith that gives us grit. Let's stand and have a word of prayer.